Wow. Great to know the peace of God, the love of Jesus in our hearts and lives, isn't it? We're going to carry on with living and loving. And uh, last couple of weeks, we looked at living in the light. So today, we're going to carry on with our look at 1 John and uh, the letters that he wrote there in, in 1 John. Uh, if you've got your Bible open there, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, 3, and some of 4 today. We're going to be looking at living in the truth today. So hopefully you're all living in the light and, uh, yeah, going for it. And uh, now I want to encourage us and challenge us with living in the truth. As I started the last two, I want to start again with this, this, this verse from John 13, 34. We know it well. Hopefully we know it well. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. To live in his love and to live it out. That's the whole purpose of this living and loving. Just to remind us and challenge us and bring in some new fresh thoughts about what it means to be living in love and what it means to live in his love and live out that love. What it means to us individually, what it means to us as a community of people. So let's go to the Word of God, to 1 John chapter 2. Last time we, we finished on verse 14 of chapter 2, and uh, we're going to jump straight in at verse 15. It says this, Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world... You show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. And this world is fading away along with everything it craves. So, today, hopefully, we're going to have a look and try and answer this question what does it mean to be living in the truth? How do we live in the truth? Scripture for me is, is the source of all understanding. It's what we use to help us walk our lives with Jesus. It brings great insight and understanding. But also it brings some application into our own lives. And so I love to ask these sorts of questions. If we are to be living in the truth, how do we do that? How do we live in the truth? Maybe we're living in the truth and all is great, but maybe we're not. Maybe sometimes we find that hard. So how do we live in the truth? I, to be honest, I found this verse 15 really quite a stark contrast to what verse 14 finishes with. You know, last week I, I finished with this rousing, um, rousing call for us to, to remember that Oh, I'll read it to you now. Verse 12, I'm writing to you, my dear brothers, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young because you have won your battle with Satan. I have written to you, children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. 
I have written to you who are young because you are strong with God's word living in your hearts and you have won your battle with Satan. And then he goes straight in, stop loving this evil world and all that it has to offer for you. So he's raised up with encouragement saying, look, come on, you are strong. God's word is in your life. You can walk and you've won the battle. And then he says, stop loving this evil world. I think maybe that could be a real reality in our own lives. We, we know the truth, but sometimes we find ourselves loving the world. And what does that mean, loving the world? It, strands, it sounds strange in, in, one, in one way because we are told to love one another. I think God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Of course, this is not what John is saying. This is not how he's saying this. You know, if we are to be living in the truth, then we cannot be loving the world. And so what that means can be complicated, and maybe we can unpack that a bit this morning. Maybe that's just a bit too much for the time we have. So like I say, it's such a stark contrast, but maybe it isn't a stark contrast. Maybe he's saying that, you know, John is saying here that, look, you, you, you have God's word living in your heart, the Holy Spirit is with you. You've won your battle with Satan, so you, you can stop loving this world. You can live in the truth. And because uh, li- this, this, the, 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 you, you have won the battle with Satan. So let me ask you some questions this morning. Why do you think John has gone straight from this, yeah, you, you've got the word of the Lord in your hearts and you, you've overcome the enemy, you're strong in the battle, and then he says, stop loving the world. What does that make you think? Some thoughts on that maybe. Just some immediate thoughts. You know, I'm not looking for deep theology here. Anybody want to just say something? Dave, I'm looking at you because you're my brother. Anything you can think of that? I think um, it's great that we can uh, find victory. Um, but also, we have to remember that because we're still in the world, uh, we're still in battle. And it would be easy to uh, take our eyes off the prize and um, fall back into loving the world. And, and if you look at the verses later, it talks about um, this world will fade away. And so there's this eternity that uh, John is talking about. That you know, in all, what what is important? Yes, we are of are of this world, and sometimes the temptations of the world, sometimes the things of the world, can maybe overcome us. But if we are people that practice living in the light and living in the truth, then we can overcome these things that come against us. You see, and, and come from the world. You see, because it says John says this in verse sixteen: the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see. And pride in our possessions. And it's interesting he uses the word lust in this translation because, you see, it's not love, is it? It's not love. You know, we are called to love one another. And, and people, the world, if you like, will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. Not by the way that we lust for the things of this world and the pleasures of this world. Challenging verses. Have you found this to be your experience? Do you... Do you find it easy living in the truth? No one's going to admit to that, are they? <laughs> well, answer that question in your own hearts, in your own minds. Maybe some people have some really good tips, really good 
stories of how they've overcome that in their own lives. Is there anything, any sort of pearls of wisdom that people feel they could share with us today? Please don't be shy. You know, help me here. So I can presume that you're all battling with this and you, you don't know how to overcome it. I don't believe that's tr- true for one minute. <laughs> Get some blank faces. I, I think the thing is here, you, you, can, you can live in the light, you can live in the truth. And John is saying this, you can't live in the light, live in the truth and live and love the world at the same time. It's very similar to what he was telling us in in chapter 1 and 2 that we were living, looking at last week, you, you can't live in the light and you can't live in the darkness. Obviously, we live in the world. That's, that's true. We, we're all living here. But we need to be living in the truth of what the Word of God says, the truth of the Word living alive in us. And as we go through these things, there's four things that I want to just uh, encourage us with and challenge us with of ways that we can live in the truth. So the first one is to stop loving the world. Because the world's going to fade away. Our, our, our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus, on the eternity. We have, been, we have been saved by his grace, saved by his love, saved by him dying for us. Now, at that moment, we were joined into this eternal life with God. But there's, something, there's things that we need to do, the practices, there's, there's discipline that we need to put in our lives. And one of those is to stop loving the world. John is really wanting the people here to understand this. Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers because the world will fade away. The second thing he says this, in, in the second part of verse 17, it says this. Let's read the first part. And this world is fading away along with everything it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the end of the world has come. These people left our churches because they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left us, it proved that they they do not belong with us. We're going to look at the rest of 20 and 22 in a minute. John's going to just bring some uh, deep understanding of what uh, John is writing about here with the Antichrist. Is that right, John? No, no. I want to focus on um, on the second part of, of verse 17. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. And I, I, I love that if you do the will of God. I think this is the second thing I want to talk about today. If we're going to be living in the truth, we need to be doing the will of God. And that's a massive subject, isn't it? What is the will of God? Well, we're certainly not going to be able to uh, find all the answers to that right this morning. But I'm going to give out some um, verses here. And around our tables, I want us to just have a look at Jesus' example of doing the will of God. And maybe we can have a discussion together and, and have a look at what does it mean to to be in the will of God. What does it mean to, uh, what's the word say? What does it mean to do the will of God? Because the thing here, if we're going to be living in the truth, we need to be doing the will of God. John is clear on this. So I've got three passages in, in actually in the gospel of John, which I want us to look at. If you could maybe pass those down one each table. 
You, all four of you have got the same passage. And you three have got John 6. If you could pass it down, that'd be great. And uh, you two all right together there? Could you just put those? You've got John chapter 7. So have a look at the scriptures there. I put a question in there. We live in the truth by doing the will of God. How does this passage help us understand how we do the will of God? Have a look at it and talk to it together. If you've got some notes, write them down. We'll have a little bit of feedback in a few minutes. Hopefully it wasn't too difficult. But... um, Let's start with um, the first passage was um, from John chapter 4, verses 38 to 38, uh, 34 to 38. Um, let's have a look at some of these tables here. Anything, any pearls of wisdom here? Possibly. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Ah. The bit that gives you nourishment is the work that he wants you to do. So, and and later on where it says um, some will sow and others will reap. So you you do the bit that that you feel is right, that gives you nourishment, not, not trying to do something that doesn't fit with you. So, I mean, the, the, for me, I agree with that, and also that, about the finishing his work. You know, um, obviously Jesus has come to finish the work, but he's then passed on the responsibility to us uh, through the Great Commission, but we, we find our, our, our strength in that when we do that. Yeah, any, th- any other thoughts on that? Or, Dave, did you... Um we talked about it's, it's a win-win situation because um, as human beings, we thrive when we have a sense of purpose. And, and God gives us his purpose in being part of the growing, the harvesting, um, that has eternal consequences, not just something that's for my own well-being, it's for everybody's well-being, and it gives us that sense of purpose. So that's why it's nourishing. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, we were just talking about the fact that there might be a time gap and who might be the person planting the seed and who might be the person harvesting. So just that you don't know the impact you're having on someone's life or, the, or what's led them to that point when you're the person who's kind of seeing the end of it. So talking about that. Great. Fantastic. So we just keep on going, isn't it? We keep on do, doing that. So this is one way, you know, these thoughts that we've shared from chapter four, this is one way that we do the will of God and carry on living in the truth, the truth of, the, of what we know, you know? We reap, we sow, we harvest. About this table, we're, 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 you're looking at John chapter 6, verses 35 to 40. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. Now, we haven't got that, but that's where our faith comes in, that knowing that he's there at all times, he doesn't leave us or forsake us. You know, and that's comforting sometimes. 
when you think the disciples who, who denied him, you know, they were with him all the time. And so our faith has got to be strong so that Jesus is there all the time. So it's by faith that we remain in the will of the God, we do the will of God, you would say? Yeah? Yeah? Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Right at this table. So, um, uh, it's an interesting question. How does this passage help us understand how we do the will of God? And there's not much doing in this, um, but there is a lot of resting. Um, I think that as we uh, as we worry about how things will turn out or, you know, a d like chaos here or chaos there or, you know, like, you know, that people worry, worry about what view they align themselves to or what ideology they align themselves to. And all that is kind of hunger, hunger for meaning, hunger that somehow it all makes sense. Um, and in here, it's, it's somehow, in some way, beyond what we can understand, it, it, it will all make sense. Like, like Martin Luther King said, you know, the, 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 like the, arc, of, the arc of the story of, of life is, like, leans towards good. Cause that's, and that's, that's God's arc. That's, so we never need be hungry again because we can trust we can trust that, that that's true. So because of, of what we know, what we can, were taught in the word of God, you're saying we need to just rest in that and, and, and rest in that, and that's one way that we can remain in, in, in the will of God and not strive over it. It's more about his heart than it is about us. Yeah. So it, 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 for me, it's about we can rest in knowing that um, he is the truth um, and his word is is you know the food of life really um and that for me reading that it's more about his character that he doesn't want to lose anyone that he's come to this he came to this earth as a man because he wanted to save everyone at that time and going forward so not one of us is beyond salvation in him because of his word and so it's more about his character not ours in this for me um, that's that's a really important point there, isn't it? Because you know we are called to live our lives like Christ, and so you know focusing in on on what we understand about Jesus here helps us to to remain in that in the will of God, resting and being confident in in, in that. Each of us are precious. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, guys. That's brilliant. Anything extra to add, guys, to that? You got the same passage. Well, we talked about the confidence of knowing that <clears throat> this is the will of God, that he should not lose any of us. And when God's got us in his hands, then we know that we can rest as we've had in that confidence. But I also think there is a responsibility on us because it says there, but anyone who does what pleases God. So we have a choice in living the truth of uh, making sure that we do those things which please God and exercising the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, which says, no, that's not of God, therefore I don't do that. I do this what does please God. So there is also a responsibility on us as well as resting in those promises. But we also have a responsibility, I think, of not bringing shame on the, the family name, as it were. Because I remember as a kid, my dad sat us all down as boys, especially, and said, you dare bring a young lady and bring shame on the name of this family, you'll get, you know. Now, God doesn't do it that way. 
but he does want us not to bring shame on his name. And we have a choice to live the way God wants us to live. Yeah, uh, we, we actually do have a choice, don't we? You know, and, you know, that, you know, if you look at, when we're looking at these things that, you know, I've, I've used this word, in it, and obviously John uses the word, to do the will of God. And there's this, there is this confidence in knowing who we are in Christ, confidence in knowing that Jesus has come and that we are precious in his sight. And out of that confidence that we can, we can do the things that you're saying. So that's fab. So the last one. You haven't got anything to say? Let you off this week, John. John 7, 16 to 18, um, Jesus was saying, I'm not teaching my own ad- ideas, but those of God who sent me. And even in, that, even in that, that day and age, like, if Jesus was here now, we'd all believe everything he said, isn't it? <laughs> but he had to convince them as well, you know. I'm not doing my own will, I'm, I'm doing the will of God. Um, God is merely, oh, sorry. You know, he says, ask God whether my teaching is from God or merely from my own, yeah. you know. And it's good also to for discernment as well. We know whether people are actually speaking the truth by discernment. You know, is, if it's from the Bible, if it's God has said, then it's right. If it's not, it's not from God. So, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. So, it, go with them, Violet. That is our ambition to do the will of God. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Violet's saying because we've accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives. It, is, it should be our passion to carry on doing the will of God. And it, that is a life journey, isn't it, of discovering what the will of God is. Thank you, guys. Hey, John. Not about Lidges now, something else, because Bill's not here. Um, what it is, I got some brand new videos of cartoons. They're brand new, still in the box. Do anybody like any? And you can have them for free, because I want to get rid of them. Okay. So maybe um, after the afterwards, John, people can see if that's what they would like. Thanks, John. Um, how, how about this, John Seven? Um, how did you get on with the the conversation here? That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's 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 good and clear here that um, John's talking about a heart attitude. And we we will know if we are doing the will of God by our own motivation. Are we doing it for our own gain, for our own honor and glory, or are we doing it for the glory of Jesus? So we will know. I think everyone will know um, if they're trying to do the will of God. Yeah. I think that's, that is so true um, because quite often there's this this sort of thing about the will of God, what is the will of God, but scripture is clear what the will of God is, and, and, and we know what it is, but sometimes, like we were saying here, we, there's a decision to be made, we, we have to walk in it, we have to do it, and, and so that's the sort of core, in fact, the next thing that John talks about in this letter is, but he says, you know the truth, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, because that's a very long, it's very much upon the same lines of what, what you've said here, anything extra you wanted to say? We were also talking about they will see um, the fruit of the Spirit in us. So like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
So when they look at us, do they see pride? Do they see us puffing up our own chest? Or do they see the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah. So, so we can measure whether we are actually in, in the will of God by the fruits that are in our, in our lives. Brilliant. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Let's go. Don't know what happens with time on a, on, on, when you've got an hour. It flies by, doesn't it? Just want to say we, on, on um, Zoom is as Lainey and uh, Marion, and I was just chatting to Marion whilst you guys were chatting at the tables, and uh, we were looking at John 7, and she was just r- writing about getting to know him, and you know, by knowing him, by reading the word, by praising and listening, that's a way we can understand and know the will of God in our lives. It's about this relationship, you know, in that relationship with God. We, we, know, the will, we know the will of God when we're in relationship with God. Thank you for that. Hopefully that was helpful to you. Um, Verse 20 of of, um, this letter says this, but you are not like that. You know, he's just talked about um, those that have left the church and and the Antichrist there and, and, and the people who love the world. And verse 20, John says, look, come on, you are not like that. For the Holy Spirit has come upon you and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and falsehood. And who is the great liar? The one who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Such people are antichrists, for they have denied the Father and the Son. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, for anyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. John brings us back to reality here. John brings us back to encouragement here. He says, but listen, he's got this but in verse 20. But, but you are not like that, for the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know, we are anointed. God has anointed us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on us and works through us. And if we stop and pause and, and drink and think about that for a moment, and reflect upon this amazing truth, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So we do know the truth. So as we were saying over here, we do know the will of God. It is possible to live in the truth, and that has been made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's made be possible by the Holy Spirit. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us, we produce these fruits upon in our lives. And I want to say to you, as I feel as John is saying to us here, don't doubt it. Don't believe anything else. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't believe the untruths. Don't doubt it. We, we are precious in his sight, as we have been told. This is the confidence that we have. We know the truth. The Holy Spirit is alive within us. But we know the truth. You know, but so often we do believe the lies. So often, sometimes we do believe and doubt at the same time. And I want to just say to you, you know the truth. You know the truth, so live in it. John, look at what John says uh, in, in the Gospel of John. John chapter 16. John 16 verse 13 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Talking about the Holy Spirit here. He will not be presenting his own ideas. He will be telling you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by revealing to you whatever he receives from me. 
All that the Father has is mine. This is what I mean when I say the Spirit will reveal to you whatever he receives from me. We have that Holy Spirit. John is saying we have that Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit of all truth. So we do know the truth. We know it, and I want to call us up and say let's live in that truth. Let's be living in the truth. And just, uh, just a few more. The page before John talks in, in chapter 14, passage we know very well where he says, Jesus told him in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you have known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even, don't you even yet know who I am? Even after all the time I have been with you, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. Verse 12 says, The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. And verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And we have that Holy Spirit. We have him. Holy Spirit is on our lives, so we do know the truth. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. So let's walk in the truth. Let's know the truth in our lives. So stop loving the world. Do the will of God. Know the truth. These are three ways that we can live in the truth. Final one. Let's do that right now. Back into 1 John chapter 2. Verse, the second part of verse 24 says this. The first part, sorry, says, So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will continue to live in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Look at that next week. But this first part of 24 says, so, you, you know, we've had all these words that John has been saying, and then he says, so, so, you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. You must remain faithful. How do we live in the truth? We remain faithful to what we have been taught right from the very beginning. What we've been, we've been taught all through Scripture, what Jesus teaches us, what um, the Apostle Paul teaches us through his letters and John and Peter and, and all the writers in, in Scripture, what they have taught us. Remain faithful to this teaching. You know, when everything else is going crazy around you, this never changes. Just like Jesus, just like God the Father, like Holy Spirit, these things never change. This is what we should be loving. This is what we should be focusing on. Living in the truth means knowing that we can remain faithful to what we have been taught. By resisting the lies of the enemy, by remaining faithful to the teaching of Jesus. John 8 verse 31 says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. That is clear as day there, isn't it? And you will know the truth, he says. And we, know, we maybe quote this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
if you remain faithful to my teachings. And I just want to finish and conclude with Paul's um, encouragement to Timothy in 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 10 says this, and we'll close with this today. This is Paul's charge to Timothy. But you know what I teach, Timothy, and how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and how long I have suffered. You know my love and my patient endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord delivered me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will go on deceiving others, and they themselves will be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught them, taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. And I don't think I could sum it up any better than that. Those words that Paul brings to this young man, Timothy. We know the truth. So let's stop loving the world. Let's do the will of God. Let's know the truth and remain faithful. Stop loving the world and love God and each other. Do the will of God, making Jesus known, harvesting souls, teaching others about God. Know the truth and be led by the Holy Spirit in it and remain faithful to what you're taught. Do not waver. Stay strong with the power of the Holy Spirit in you and over you, being fully equipped to live in the truth. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Lord, that it is God-breathed, that you breathe on these words, that we can have full confidence in them and in the things that you teach us through your word. And I pray we will be people who devour your word, that eat your word, that, that strive and pursue to, to live like the Word teaches us and that we would remain faithful to your Word and that we will be people that are living in the light but also living in the truth, the truth of what, you, of what we know because of you, that the power of the Holy Spirit is on us and in us and works through us and helps us as we continue to do your work on this earth of making your name known of declaring the truth, that the good news that Jesus is alive, that he died, that he, wrote, that he was buried, and that he rose again so that we may have eternal life. So I thank you for these words, Lord. I thank you for this time together, and I pray you bless us now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.